Hello. So sadly, we've come to the end of the book. So I've talked to you about prologues before. And this book had a prologue in it. Um, and so a prologue is like a note or comment at the beginning of a book to give you context about a story before the big part of the story begins. And now this book also has an epilogue. And an epilogue always comes at the end of the book. And usually it's part of the story, but it's not, it doesn't happen right away. Um, and it's usually just something to give you some extra context about the story that you've read. So I'm going to read you this epilogue. And then after the epilogue is done, I'm going to put a hold on read aloud for a little while, um, just until we get back to school so that I have some time to focus on getting everything ready and perfect for you guys for the start of the school year. Uh, so we'll finish up this book and then we'll start read alouds again when school starts up again. Okay. Seven months later, the sisters had decided together what they would wear on that most important day. Jane had asked for dresses with full skirts Rosalind had picked out the color, a mysterious blue-green, the color of the sea, just before sunset. Batty, with some guidance, had selected shoes with low heels and thin ankle straps. As for Skye, all she wanted was not to wear a hat with bows, or anything else on her head for that matter. But when Iantha had asked if they would tuck yellow roses in their hair to match the yellow roses in her bouquet, Skye had agreed without a murmur though she did tell Jane later that she would have drawn the line at pink roses, even for Iantha. Now, on the day itself, the four were gathered in Rosalind's room, finishing their transformation from regular Penderwicks into bridesmaids. Hold still, Batty, said Rosalind. Your rose keeps sleeping, keeps slipping. Sorry. Too excited to hold still, Batty was jumping up and down, trying for glimpses of herself in the mirror over the, over the bureau. I look beautiful, Hound, she said in between jumps, though Hound was ignoring her, being too busy trying to bite off the yellow bow around his neck. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. As do we all. Jane put her hands on Batty's shoulder and held her down, letting Rosalind pin the errant flower firmly in place. I think that will hold, Rosalind said, then turned to Skye, who was almost as green as she'd been the night of sisters and sacrifice. Are you all right? I've forgotten my speech again. Skye plucked at the skirt of her dress and wondered if there was time to escape to the roof for some solitude. But from the roof, she'd be able to see into Iantha's backyard, where there was a flowered arch and an altar and dozens of chairs set in rows, and worse, the already arriving guests. That would make her more nervous. It's not actually a speech, said Rosalind, not for the first time. Just a line, said Jane who'd written this part of the ceremony. Rosalind says, for a long time we didn't know what we wanted. Then Skye, you say, and when we finally knew, we realized that we wanted what we wanted was right next door. And then I say, her name was Iantha, and magically she wanted us too. Then Batty says, and so did Ben, finished Batty. And when we finally knew, muttered Skye, and when we finally knew, and when we finally knew. Now Aunt Claire was calling them from downstairs. Girls, the groomsmen are here. All worries about roses and speeches vanished as the girls flew out of the room and down the stairs. Aunt Claire was at the bottom, flushed with excitement and lovely in dusky lavender. She gave them each a quick inspection and a quicker hug, then chewed them out into the living room to greet the groomsmen. There were three, 
splendid in dark suits. The tallest had a big smile and eyes only for Rosalind. She was across the room and hanging on his arm in a flash, certain that Tommy looked more grown up and handsome than ever. And she may have been right, though she'd been thinking the same thing every day for the last seven months. The second boy, with freckles and green eyes, was not as tall, but just as handsome, and was joyously attacked by Skye and Jane almost before he knew they were in, they were in the room. Fatty and Hound, too, needed to show their great devotion to this boy, for after all, he'd been far away in Boston for months and months. Jeffrey, I love you so, Fatty cried, flinging herself at his knees, while Hound barked in agreement. I love you too, Battykins, he said, picking her up in a fierce hug. The third groomsman was quite short, and his red hair was combed and flattened to within an inch of his life. Bewildered by the unfamiliar clothes and all the noise, he was thinking about crying. But before he had got, could get started, Skye had torn herself away from Jeffrey and was kneeling beside him. Hey, Ben. Though she still didn't like babies, she decided to make an exception for this one. How are you? Not good. Me neither. But it'll all be over soon, and then we'll have cake, okay? The remain, this reminder of cake cheered him greatly, and he was now happy to quietly pluck at yellow, Hound's yellow bow until it came undone, earning him even more love from Hound than he had already. In the middle of all that, Aunt Claire had melted away, but she came back now, and with her was, Oh, Daddy, said Rosalind. You look, you look gorgeous, said Jane. Nonsense, protested Skye through her breath, though her breath, too, had been taken away. It wasn't the suit, of course, or the starched white shirt, or even the tie that didn't clash with anything. It was the happiness that had settled in in every part of him, the pure and solid happiness that he'd longed for and deserved, and now was his. My princesses, he said, and all four rushed to him and hugged him until he gently pulled away to pick up Ben for a hug of his own. Then he nodded to the other two, man to man. Tommy, Jeffrey, thanks for being here. They all nodded back, suddenly serious and adult, until Jane tickled Tommy and Skye tickled Jeffrey, and everyone became themselves again. Now there was a knock on the front door. It was Nick and Anna come to say that it was time to go next door. She's ready? asked Mr. Penderwick and no one needed to ask whom he meant. Yes, she is, Mr. Penn, and the minister. And all the guests are here, said Anna gleefully, for she loved weddings when they weren't her own father's. Mr. Penderwick handed Ben over to Aunt Claire, then gave each of his daughters one last hug. Well, girls, are we ready to get married? Married. Was it possible? But yes, astoundingly, miraculously, all the Pendericks were absolutely, positively, indisputably, and without a shadow of a doubt, ready to get married. And so, they did. I will talk to you soon, my friends. Enjoy the rest of your summer.